What is up, everyone? Let us spin the yarn. I'm going to relay a story that happened to me in the past. Uh, Something happened today that kind of had me thinking about it quite a bit. And I I wanted to relay this for a couple of different reasons. Uh, The kind of the theme is the blame game, right? Like I've seen it a lot lately in some interactions that have led an organization to be ineffective, disorganized, bordering on or trending towards the negative. And it's based on there's a natural ebb and flow of commands as personnel turnover, as the mission cycle progresses where people show up, they're very motivated, uh, they're affecting change, etc. And then things change, develop, shift for many, many different reasons. And so command just cultures will ebb and flow, right? Uh, sometimes you'll show up at a command and it'll be in a rough spot and then it'll be trending upwards and some fresh blood will come in or something will change or progress and the command will get better or worse based on those changes. So I, I kind of feel like at this point we were at a downslope, right? And they, and when I say they, I'm talking about uh, command leadership of which I'm a part. Right, I'm not, I'm not taking myself out of it, but they were having trouble with communication. We were having trouble with planning, um, just be planning and, and preparedness. I think preparedness is probably the biggest piece of this is there's just a lot of things that uh, upper command leadership were showing up to things unprepared. Uh, we weren't planning ahead as much as we used to. Uh, I think we kind of got a little cocky. We thought we had it licked. There was also this part of where we were at in our in our cycle, like where we're at in our deployment cycle and our schedule, where it felt like we it was almost time to put our pack down. You know, it was kind of like we were already acting like we were there, like we had crossed the finish line, and and we hadn't. And so a, a lot of one thing led to another, basically, and, and there was a bunch of instances where this left the meeting rooms where only the command leadership sees it and affected the crew in a big way. And I'm going to give you some examples. So the first one is there during some of the meetings, there are larger planning meetings that happen where uh, leadership, it kind of it's from the basically all the way up at the CO all the way down to like the LPO level. There's quite a few people in the room and there's some outside entities there coordinating some some efforts. And it was a it's a kind of like a daily meeting that we do. And and at those meetings, based on people showing up uh, unprepared, not planning the things that they needed to plan the way they needed to ahead of time. And these are very, very busy people. This isn't always, sometimes it is, but it isn't always like malintent or laziness, right? But uh, showing up to the meeting without the the proper preparation having happened ahead of time, which they knew they were supposed to do. Uh, and, and sometimes some of their underlings that were not at the meeting were the ones that were supposed to do it and they didn't properly QA that process. Um, the meetings would not go well, right? So the it's being briefed to the top, the top three, right? Like the triad, uh, this plan is being briefed to them and it's briefed in a way where it's obviously, it, it's obvious that certain people aren't prepared and that 
I, the command leadership is going to get frustrated, but you, you can get frustrated and you can express your displeasure with the level of preparedness in certain ways, right? There's a right way to communicate it where you're going to get the result that you desire, which is fixing it, obviously, uh, and getting the right product out to the deck plates so that everybody can do their job uh, the way that we need to to accomplish the mission. And then there's a way to express your displeasure where you're all you're going to accomplish is you're going to make people feel stupid. You're going to make people feel worse than they already do because a lot of the time, and I would say the majority of the time, they didn't do this out of malintent. They did it because they were so busy juggling 27 other flaming chainsaws that they just didn't get to that thing. And unfortunately, it got exposed at that meeting. So you express that displeasure by making them feel stupid, by making them feel worse than they already do, by uh, losing a lot of ground credibility-wise, trust-wise, losing a lot of just like faith in your in your leadership ability by essentially throwing a temper tantrum. And I and I know everybody's experienced it in some way, shape, or form. I've I don't know if I've experienced it at exceptional frequency, but like I feel like I have it starting at the very beginning. I had uh what I can only describe from my biased point of view as a bipolar LPO when I first joined the Navy. There was a lot and there was a lot to that. But at the end of the day, like you, there was no pleasing him, always getting yelled at. I didn't know half the time why I was getting yelled at, and it turned into a thing where eventually I wasn't even really listening anymore. I just zoned out when he was yelling. Eventually it was over, and then I could go back to do my job. Um, and then I, I, more leadership as I went on where I just getting destroyed for no reason, uh, getting yelled at to the point where I'm not really listening anymore, getting yelled at to the point where I was questioning why I was doing this job anymore, questioning the work that I was doing like am I really a piece of crap right like do I feel like one I am being told that my performance and the the product that I'm putting out is is crap so it's like am I that guy and so I feel like it can go two different ways right Uh, you can choose how you're going to communicate that and I think the the mark that was being missed was by some of the senior leadership they would throw temper tantrums they would yell um and then get up and walk out of meetings instead of getting a resolution, like basically just shut it down, acting like a petulant child, standing up, walking out. And now everyone's scrambling to please this person because all we want to do is get this stupid meeting over so we can go back to doing our jobs. And that's a key piece of information. It's like we're not trying to like scam out of this meeting or like skate through it so that we can go home. Like everybody's got to get back to work. Like the junior enlisted personnel on the ship call these stop work meetings because now they are waiting on work controls processes and they can't, that they can't like step through until these supervisors are back at whatever position they need to be in to approve work or to review work or whatever, like to give them the permissions they need to go do their job. And so like we're in this, we're being held hostage in this meeting and all we want to do is go do our job so that our sailors can go do their job. And so we're at the stop work meeting, right? So we're held hostage there because instead of a leader wanting to, you know, exercise some conflict resolution and maybe do a little mentoring and provide the leadership that they're getting paid for, we end up in these situations where if you decide to deal with it the wrong way, then you lose a lot of credibility. Then 
You make people feel poorly and they already feel that way because nobody walks into work saying I want to do a crap job today. And so when you when you deal with it that way and you throw the temper tantrum, like what did we accomplish? Nothing except all those negatives that I just highlighted. Right. Instead of sitting there, keeping keeping a level head, having a conversation or saying, come see me afterwards and having a conversation or if it really merits it because there was malintent involved saying, come see me afterward and having that kind of a conversation where there is raised voices or there is some heavy handed accountability happening. Uh, I know we've all sat there and experienced those conversations where upper upper chain of command style leadership is yelling at a room full of people that all did the right thing about like, for example, recently at a morning officer LPO calls what we call it. Uh, we all, I'm all, I'm there. My departmental people are there. I made sure they were there, right? <laughs> we're all there. And there was clearly, I mean, probably 30% of the people that were supposed to be there were not there for varying reasons. Some of them just didn't show up, didn't know about it, blew it off, whatever. But other people had some things to do. But there was a, a good portion of people that weren't there. The upper chain of command basically dealt with it by telling all of us who showed up to the meeting on time and were there ready to take notes and communicate things to the group so that they could push that down to the deck plates, telling us the like expressing to us their frustration and ex- telling us the importance of this meeting and why you should show up on time. I did show up on time. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't be hearing you tell me that I need to show up on time. Why don't you express this frustration offline with the people that didn't show up? on time or at all like it didn't it doesn't make any sense and they're human beings and they're expressing their frustration i i kind of get it but the frequency with which that happens where the people that are doing the right thing are the ones getting the the butt of the rifle like that doesn't make any sense why are we doing that and all you're doing is is taking motivation away from the people that are doing the right thing so that's a way in which i've seen it the, the negative piece happen where it's like we're beating down the people that are supposed to be doing the right job walking out of the meeting, throwing a temper tantrum. And then the temper tantrums that I've seen from senior leadership, right? And, and temper tantrums, I'm, I'm saying this is like a broad term. What I mean by it is like when a leader is like obviously emotional, dealing with it immaturely, yelling is a big one. And, and I'm going to get to that separately in a minute because it is its own thing. There is a time and place for it. But immature leadership or unprepared leadership that finds themselves in a position where they screwed up, they're wrong, and they don't want to take ownership for it because egos suck, man. It hurts to sit there and say, yeah, I made a mistake. I screwed this up. I wasn't prepared. And as a result, we're not able to do X, Y, and Z, right? A perfect example of it was we did what we call cords on the pier. Uh, It's quarters in in a fashion that we do on submarines where everybody's on the pier lined up in formation triad comes out in front says things captain will eventually come out we call everybody to attention captain says things it's usually like uh we'll do awards there uh end of tours people pcsing they get to say their goodbye speech that kind of thing and we it's it's all of the crew that's not on watch uh we'll kind of all gather up and a day we were supposed to do it there you know, you have to be prepared for these things, right? You have to bring the awards up. You have to bring the, you know, things that you need, uh, the camera, the whatever, right? Like the, there's logistics that the admin personnel or or the upper chain of command, the things they have to bring with them to be prepared, right? 
there's things, the talking points that the the chain of command will want to talk about before a long weekend or as we're coming into the summer, like summer safety, stuff like that. It's like just being prepared to execute this evolution that is quarters, right? So something got lost in translation and something was put on a leader's desk for them to be prepared by the admin folks. Uh, they either didn't see it or forgot to bring it up with them and they so they didn't have it. So when it came time to do one of the evolutions that was supposed to happen at this quarters, uh, something was supposed to be presented uh, in a way that there was like a script to read and the script wasn't up there and nothing was up there. And uh, a senior leader react really emotionally. And as a result, that didn't happen. Like the sailor that was there on time that was told that they were going to get this award or get this promotion or whatever, standing by ready to receive. And the whole crew, by the way, standing by ready to execute this evolution and based on leadership not being prepared to execute, about 100 people's time was just wasted where we were standing up there in the sun and because we didn't have what we needed, instead of running to go get it and apologizing for wasting two minutes of their life and still executing and saying we'll, be do, we'll do better next time, we just waved the whole thing off. Because we're frustrated and we started playing the blame game and pointing fingers and saying, why isn't this here? And if we're not ready, we just won't do it. And then storming off. When is that the right answer? Because think about what just happened. Senior leadership, very senior leadership, effectively threw a temper tantrum within earshot of the entire crew, stormed off. The whole crew's time just got wasted. The, The other senior leadership, including me, that you know, involved or pseudo involved, or maybe I could have provided backup, whatever. We all lose so much credibility with junior enlisted sailors because we can't even like do quarters on the pier. We can't even execute that function and provide awards and recognition to our sailors. Like, is there something more important than that? Cause I'm not real sure what it is. I'm having a hard time getting there. So we can't even execute that. And then the way we deal with not being prepared to execute something. And that's what it was. It was that leader's job to make sure all those things were there. It's that leader's job to make sure that we have what we need to execute this evolution. It didn't happen. And that leader threw a temper tantrum because they decided it was someone else's fault. They passed the buck, didn't take ownership of what is their mistake because they're accountable for everything, threw a temper tantrum, stormed off and wasted 100 people's times, right? And lost a lot of credibility and trust in the process. And so you got to think about that when you're in these positions, right? So any leadership position, when you're there, you're the leader. There are things that need to happen. And if they don't happen, whose fault is it? If they don't happen because Seaman Timmy failed to follow your directions, whose fault is that? Is it Seaman Timmy's fault for not executing your guidance, for not doing the task? Or is it your fault for not properly leading them, for not properly communicating the task, for not training them on how to do that task, for not following up and QAing that that task was done correctly? Whose fault is it if it doesn't get done? Who has ownership of that? The leader does, 100% of the time. Is Is there times where personal accountability is a thing? Yes, you've heard me talk about it before. I'm a big fan of personal accountability. It needs to happen so that that person can get trained properly. So that when you give them a task, they know how, when, what, where, why to do it so that it's executed the way it needs to, so that your intent is communicated the way it needs to be. But whose responsibility is it 
to put them in the position to succeed? Whose responsibility is it? Who owns that? Who has ownership of ensuring that task's completed? The leader does, 100% of the time. Every single thing that happens in, in your cognizance is your responsibility. You don't get to pass the buck to someone. You don't get to shirk that ownership when it's not convenient. If you're not prepared for something, whether it was your specific direct task to complete to make sure you're prepared for that thing, or if it was one of your subordinates or peers' jobs to to prepare that piece of the task, the overall task is yours. So subordinates not completing a piece of that task and you not being prepared as a result is yours. I was in a position that during a food load on a submarine, Based on food stowage, we got to do some weird stuff on submarines. It's just where you put the food and stuff. Like, in order to bring the amount of food we need to have the endurance to complete the missions that we have, there's a 0% chance it will all, all always fit in the storm. I got to put food in weird places on submarines to be able to have the endurance I need. A sailor that works for me found a place to stow some food. And that place happened to be the induction side of a piece of equipment that needed to be air-cooled. Guess what happened when you blocked it with food? The piece of equipment was damaged. So I didn't put that food there. But who was directly responsible for the food load? Me. It's my job. To this day, about two people that are not in the accountability chain at all for this sailor and for this process know who actually put that food there. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One is it's it's mine. I don't care who did it. I don't care if my guys ever told me who did it. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. I'm in charge of the food load. I tell the guys where they can stow things. I'm responsible for QAing where the food is and making sure that it's a safe stowage location. I'm responsible for training them on the proper receipt inspection and stowage of food. So it doesn't matter. Am I going to go back and find out and train that person and fix that deficiency so that this doesn't happen again? Yup. But am I going to like destroy that kid? No, he was trying to do the right thing. He found what looked like to a great stowage location and he wasn't wrong, except that there happened to be the induction side of an air-cooled piece of equipment there. He didn't know. He was a very junior sailor. Thought he was getting after it. Thought he was doing the right thing. I didn't properly train him. I didn't properly QA that process. And as a result, we damaged equipment. That's me. That's on me. And I took full responsibility for it. To the point that my my CO at the time was like, we need to figure out who. There were missed opportunities for backup. There's training. There's all these other things that should have happened that, you know, I appreciate what you're trying to do here, senior. But, like, it, it wasn't just you. So... And, and I learned that. That was a learned thing. I didn't always do that. I had people call me out on my lack of ownership on things at a certain point in my career. And I learned from it. And I learned a lot of it from a primary source of leadership development for me, which I've talked about it before, is uh, Jacko Willink's books. One of them's called Extreme Ownership. And I've talked about that before too. Uh, just that book itself and that concept itself. But it nothing that is within my realm of cognizance, like nothing that the fake fluorescent light on a submarine touches, like none of it is not mine. I own all of it all the time. So if a junior sailor makes a mistake, yeah, I'm gonna fix that. I'm gonna train them and correct them and send them on their way, but 
I'm the one that's going to say that was my mistake, my fault. I will fix it. Moving on. That's what you're supposed to do as a leader. Take ownership of it. The uh, the sailor, the other reason that I didn't, you know, I didn't need to go back and play the blame game is that sailor was already beating himself up about it. He felt like he let me down. He felt like he let the division down. He felt like he made us all look bad because everybody knew who was responsible for putting the food there. Like conceptually, like the CSs are the ones that stow food. He felt like he failed. He felt like he failed his division, his friends, his his leader, right? I, I didn't need to say a word to him. I never did. I still, to this day, have not had a conversation with him about it. I made sure we did training with the division. I made sure everybody knew what happened, why it happened, why we can't do that, why we got to be very sensitive to things like that. And, and we got to be very sensitive to any location we're stowing food in that's outside of our accountable food service spaces, our storerooms. But th- I didn't need to have that conversation with him. He was beating the crap out of himself. So I mean, I told the guys to make sure he understood that not his fault, my fault, right? We all could have backed him up. Uh, he's new. It's not a big deal. People make mistakes, whatever. Move it on and, and build him back up. But I didn't need to have that conversation with him. And if I did have any conversation with him, it would have been in that vein. Like, don't man, walk it off. Don't worry about it. People screw things up all the time. I make mistakes all the time. And I learn from them. And I beat myself up about them just like everyone else because I'm a human being with an ego. Okay, so yelling. Let's talk about that really quick because it's something that I think a lot of people struggle with uh, receiving communication in that way. I did earlier in my career and then based on my seeing it done that way for the majority of it, I kind of thought that was the move for a while uh, when I was a young LPO and I've mentioned before, uh, I, I did a lot of yelling. Uh, I thought it was an effective leadership tool. Uh, I thought it was a style and I thought it was one that fit my personality uh, a little bit. I'm I'm a passionate guy. I get passionate about things I'm passionate about, right? Things I care about. I, I'm very willing to express that. <laughs> and so it, it I slid right into it like, like a hand fit in a glove, man. Like I thought it was the move. And then I very quickly realized my folly when I, I and I very vividly remember just a normal day, normal operations, something wasn't going the way I thought it should be, standard wasn't being met, not by a lot, but just something didn't go right, and I was just lace in my division, and I saw these glazed over looks on their faces, and they came quick, man, it was like they knew, they had been conditioned to see me do this, and they knew, okay, this is where we're at now, so I can just shut my brain off, and it didn't work at all, and I very quickly realized that everything I was saying was just pointless. They weren't receiving any of it. It wasn't going to affect any meaningful change. I wasn't effectively leading my division, and and it hit me like a ton of bricks where I was just like, okay, what am I doing? Why am I doing it, and where do I need to go from here to, to get my point across? It was just like this big rude awakening in, in just the method with which I communicated. So as a, as a constant common leadership tool, it's almost never warranted to yell at your sailors. It really isn't. Uh, there are very few instances that I I'm absolutely on board with it. One safety, right? So that's kind of obvious. If I see something where someone's going down a path that's unsafe, I'm absolutely going to exercise my vocal cords in a very panicked and loud manner 
because that's a, the appropriate time to use that tool. It's probably the most appropriate time because uh, I need their attention. I need it now, and I don't need. I need them to not question it so that I can I can get them into a safe scenario, and then we can calmly start explaining what happened, right? So that one's kind of the more obvious one. The next one is, and and there's a podcast you can go back and listen to it where I got heated. Uh, it's probably more than one, but uh, most of it's passionate, raised voice. But like I. There are times where I will absolutely yell and it's very rare for me now. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a once in a while thing, but I think that there are just a, there's a time and a place for making someone understand something in that way. And when you don't fire for effect all the time, when you do, it's going to have the desired effect. It is a tool that should be in your toolbox not everyone needs to use it, I don't think, but I, I, I believe it's something that you should have available to you. Uh, understanding that it's like a break class in case of emergency type of thing. So uh, the times that I would say uh, I, I probably use it the most is when somebody crosses a very clear line, they need to understand that the line that they've crossed and the manner in which they've crossed it and kind of the anger at you have and why you have it. So there's been a few, very few instances. And I can recall the one within the past year where a chief did something very, very foolish and he's a young chief and he's still learning how to be a chief. But this was a thing that he should have known better. He did know better. He was being lazy, kind of, he like let himself slide into this immature childish moment where he put himself into a position to take advantage of a junior sailor and I lost it on him because I wanted him to understand how disgusted I was that he, that he made that choice that he took advantage of a junior sailor and put them in that position as a chief. And that's something that along with the, the Reddit thread discussion that I want you to understand happens. I was so angry. I was shaking. I was having trouble standing and I don't get, I've, I've been that angry about three times in my life and I fired for effect and I had a bunch of other chiefs in the room when I did it to make sure that I didn't lose complete control. And I, and I, maybe with old age, maybe with practice, whatever, I was able to convey my point in the way that I wanted to and use that tool. But I, I kept control of myself in the way that I needed to, but he'll never forget that conversation. I guarantee it. And not, I'm not tooting my own horn or anything, but I'm said the way that I was able to convey it and use the emotion that I've spoke. I just spoke negatively of earlier as a very, very effective tool. He's never seen me like that. And he's known me for years. So when I go to that place because of that thing that happened, he'll never do that again. He'll never even come within a hundred yards of doing that again. And that's why it's such a valuable tool. But break glass in case of emergency. That's that's kind of the the dichotomy with yelling as a leadership tool or the the raised voice, the emotion. It, it's a thing that it can't be your go-to move. It can't be your common everyday thing or you're going to get those glazed over looks. People are going to check out and they're going to stop listening to you. No one will be receiving your communication. So when you're a very thoughtful very uh, receptive, conversational, like just it's a two-way street type of person and you have great rapport with everybody and they trust you and they're a, you're a leader that they want to follow and you don't do these things on a regular basis. When you do, 
everybody's going to snap to and listen, right? When you use that tool, when the glass breaks because it's time, it's it's a it's something you can harness and use as a very very effective leadership tool. I, I that problem and I and I think it's it's perfect for this conversation is that problem with a chief I fixed in about five minutes and he will never come within a hundred yards of doing that same thing ever again and it was because. I don't do it often and when I did and I expressed that kind of emotion and I and I went down that road with him it's because it needed to happen it's because I meant it and it's because he needs to know don't you know don't ever come back here again this is not what chiefs do and and I think he got it and I'm I know he got it just based on the conversation we had and then I left him alone with uh, the other chiefs that were not as emotional as I was, as I was in that moment, I was okay, I, I detached myself from it after I was done and was like, okay, I want you to sit in here and talk to the rest of the chiefs about this because I got to go away and I'm going to go calm down and I don't I don't think my continued involvement is going to be productive. So it's something it's a tool it's something you use rarely it's something that can be very effective but it can also be harmful if abused. Okay, so that's I wanted to revisit that yelling point. But the the big thing being that the blame game does not work. We are all subject to it. We all point fingers at people and we're like, God, like this idiot does this, this and that, right? Like this idiot, you know, failed at this thing or they do this stupid, obvious thing that's that's not in accordance with or, you know, like I did the the Reddit thread where I asked why trust was eroding the Chiefs quarters and everybody was quick to just destroy the Chiefs quarters and point at all their weaknesses and and say if they weren't so terrible at their jobs, then my experience wouldn't have been so negative. And while that line of questioning was solicited by me, they weren't doing it for any other reason than I asked the question. I was asking for that feedback. But that's our natural reaction, and that's the point I'm making by using that as an example, is that our reflex is to just point at other people and say it's their fault. And while I, I was soliciting that feedback, and I plan on doing a bunch of spin the yarns, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna break it up so that I can focus on one piece at a time and really go through the mental exercise of kind of breaking it down and talking about it, is there is always personal accountability in it. Right. So, yes, 100 percent. I I want and I believe that the Chiefs mess needs to own a lot of the a lot of the, the reason why there's trust erosion between Chiefs and Junior Listed. But it's a two way street. There's a zero percent chance that there's not personal accountability in it in ever and every experience is unique right so every bad experience i had with a leader and i talk about them all the time is like i i learned a lot about what i what to do as a leader by experiencing poor leadership by by seeing how not to do it but you also have to analyze those situations and those experiences through the lens of what did i do to contribute to those problems like what was i doing because I was a pain in the butt as a junior sailor. So what was I doing that I could have been doing much better that contributed to their negative reactions or their poor leadership? Because I did, 100%. I definitely contributed to the, to a leader re- reacting emotionally. Not that it doesn't happen for no reason sometimes. Like if you could do everything right and you could just have an immature leader that reacts emotionally because they don't know how to deal with 
being that emotion, with being displeased, with a bruised ego, with whatever leads them to that reaction, they don't know how to do it any other way. But a lot of the time you've contributed somehow. You have. No one's perfect, even if you were doing everything perfectly. Air quotes. <laughs> even if you were nailing it, Someone else might not be. Someone in your shop might not be. You might have taken a few wrong turns previously and they were still holding it against you. Whatever. Like something, something on your end of it of it contributed to that interaction. So what was it? Right? And it might be minor and right. And maybe you are killing it. But like be honest with yourself. Look in the mirror and analyze that. Because you contributed somehow. But the leadership side of it, if you're on the leadership side of it, or the leader that is driving you nuts. That, that you feel is failing is is on the leadership side of it. Ownership is key. It just is. It's really important. And there are an infinite number of negative encounters between any sailor and any leadership that could be avoided if people would just own all of their mistakes, if people would just own that they're human, if people would just own that conflict is healthy, if people would just own that it's okay when someone is learning on the job and that they're they're going to make mistakes as a leader and that junior sailors are immature sometimes and are still learning how to communicate and are still learning their job. So it's okay if they ask why and it's okay if they don't understand your communication method and it's okay if the, you know your leadership style or your leadership methods aren't jiving with them and and that you're still figuring each other out like those things are okay because it's a it's a developmental process on both ends if people were willing to take ownership of the things that they're responsible for take like going to the to the extreme ownership end of it and if you don't know what i mean when i say that phrase specifically go read that book Extreme Ownership is an incredible book and the concept itself, and even if you don't want to take the time to read the book or listen to the audiobook, you can listen to the Jago podcast. He talks about it all the time. Or there's a, he did a, like a TEDx, like a TED Talk. There's a YouTube video. I've used it for uh, CPO365 trainings in the past. Yes, I know it's not called that anymore. This was in the past. Um, I used the, his, his little TED Talk YouTube video for trainings. It was pretty short. I mean, 30 to 40 minutes tops. It was a lecture he gave where he was summarizing the concept of extreme ownership. If you don't got time for the book, go go watch that YouTube video. You've got time for that. Make time. Go listen to that video or go watch the video. I said, listen, <laughs> uh, go watch the video, but listen to the words because that's what matters. And you'll understand what I'm talking about. Like there is no such thing as someone else's fault when you're applying the concept of extreme ownership. Like just own everything. You'd be surprised how far it'll take you. If you just understand that like, yeah, I probably screwed that up or or like, yeah, I I probably could have done that better. I could have I could have backed you up more. I could have had I that's an opportunity for us to improve. That's, you know, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. I could have been more prepared. I could have backed you up. I could have communicated better. Whatever it is, on both ends of it. Think of how amazing everything would be. <laughs> Think of how easy communication would be. Think of how easy leadership would be. It's only a thing we're going to strive for. I understand that it's never going to be uh, reality on a daily basis, but we could improve leaps and bounds. It could get a lot better. And it's a concept that if you apply, it's like the communication's never going to be perfect. Leadership's never going to be perfect. Planning, execution's never going to be perfect. But if you just apply the concept more often than, than you don't, 
vast, like vast improvement. And a lot of the issues that I saw in that Reddit thread as well, right? Like a lot of the things that I saw Junior say I was pointing at on the Chiefs mess side of it, a, a, a lot of them would be resolved by that concept. Um, not all of them. There was a lot of very personal stories. And, and I'll get into those like where there were just the wrong people in the wrong job or they were examples of bad leaders. I was getting a lot of like vocal, passionate stories about um, people that just didn't get it. And, and that's something that I'll talk about too. But uh, I'm going to break those up into pieces. I'm going to kind of do an outline where I figure out what what I think are the are the root causes of the experiences and the and the issues that were relayed to me, and then kind of talk through them uh, one at a time so that I can really focus on one issue at a time. Uh, and then I'm gonna ask uh, for some other perspectives. It was pointed out to me that uh, I should basically solicit an officer point of view. Same same question, but uh, a junior officer point of view. And then I kind of want to get some chiefs points of view as well. I've talked to a few. I talk to my friends about it all the time. And and I've had a couple of chiefs reach out to me and communicate their point of view as well. But and I have a lot of chiefs listen to this podcast. So if, uh, if you have a separate point of view or perspective that you didn't see communicated in that thread, please reach out to me. Hit me up. Uh, as always, anything, feedback, comments, concerns, questions, hit me up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us at Don't Give Up the Shit Podcast, or you can DM me on Instagram at Dgets Podcast. Uh, very interested in anyone's point of view. I've got some amazing, amazing feedback. People have spent a lot of time on it. Uh, I, I got one guy sending me a point paper. I'm like really excited to read it. Uh, so that'll be really cool. And I, I do plan on sharing a lot of that with. Uh, some people I have access to as a result of this platform that I think could use it to affect real change or at least get a very high level visible discussion going uh, in that vein. So I'm pretty excited about it. I was really, really happy with the feedback just that people were willing to take the time. Like Reddit's really cool. Uh, It's something that I'm going to try to drag some people onto to be like, do like, and ask me anything. I've seen those happen where a, a like a high level person, like trying to drag like a fleet or a MCPON on a Reddit and say, Hey, get onto this Navy subreddit and just say, ask me anything. Or like if, especially if they, uh, and they do big Navy side, like the CNO or the MCPON wants direct blunt feedback on a, a topic, right? If they want to narrow the conversation like I did by presenting a question and then saying, go, I just, my question alone, like I got way more engagement than I thought I would. So it's a really cool uh, platform. And if you're interested at all, I would highly recommend checking out the Navy subreddit. Um, I was pretty surprised that that's a thing that exists and that it functions. It's kind of like old message board style. It's really interesting. Um, And I I didn't know that it was, it got as much engagement as it did and and as many junior people. There's a lot of veterans and a lot of people with some really interesting backgrounds and experiences. Uh, it's really cool. I'm really glad I did it. Uh, I'm getting a lot of really honest and blunt feedback because it is basically anonymous. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm really enjoying engaging on it. I've gotten to help a couple of sailors out just with problems that they had and uh, provide some advice and then just have really, really engaging, thought-provoking conversations. So it's really cool. I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, and and if any of you are listening, I thank you for uh, responding to that thread. I'll definitely do another one in the future. I'm pretty busy right now, but uh, when, when I'm done uh, going to sea, which is very soon, very excited about that. I'll have a lot more bandwidth. So 
Uh, I plan on doing a few more of those uh, to get some more feedback and to get some more just conversations going and some more uh, catalyst for content uh, on this platform as well. And then I got a couple of really cool episodes coming out soon. So the, I'm going to start editing the, the episode we did uh, where I interviewed uh, one of the owners of the Blue Jacketeer uh, who does a podcast and it's an advancement study uh, platform that's out there. Uh, it is a for-profit enterprise, but it's very cool. And the way that they do it and the commitment they have to excellence for you, because uh, one of their one of their 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 veterans, their sailors uh, that have transitioned out of the Navy, but they started this on active duty to address a problem similar to my doing this and uh, turned it into a business model and are doing really well. And they're modeling it in a way that what do you need? How do you need it? And what, how can we get you the highest quality, most effective product possible? So I was, it was really interesting conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I'm going to edit that soon. And that'll be the end. That'll be the next episode coming out because I already have it. I'm still tweaking the app locker episode, but that will come out right after that. And then I will continue to spin a whole bunch of yarn. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. <laughs> <laughs>